Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that would help us grow. Today, I'm joined by an individual who really needs no introduction. He's a multi-award winning investigative reporter, best-selling author, and the bloke has even won a Logie. I am, of course, talking about Ross Coulthard. Ross, welcome to the show, mate. It's a pleasure to be here. We don't really get guests of your uh, your caliber on the show very often to, to have one of Australia's, and this is a, a genuine, you've got awards to back this up. Award-winning <laughs> you, you reporter. Don't, you, don't get many, you don't get many investigative journalists, frankly, Cade, looking at the subject of UFOs because it's been so effectively stigmatised and um, treated with taboo. Absolutely. And that's actually going to be my first question off the bat because this is one of the most taboo subjects that you can essentially talk about in, in the mainstream media. What got you so hooked on it? What made you go, this is something that I need to look into a little bit more? Mate, I have a, a natural curiosity. I, I, as a journalist, I've always tried to go contrarian and against the grain because one of the problems I have is that media tends to think like a pack. Uh, a lot of people like to think that media organisations are vastly resourced and that they have innumerable people who can basically devote themselves to investigating subjects and that they'll do it with great objectivity and care and, and you know, we're so well served. The reality is that media has kind of lost its way in the world at the moment. The free-to-air media industry is basically suffering because of collapsing revenue, because of the, the Googles and the Amazons and the Facebooks. And a 
lot of the media organisations are crunching the resources that they allocate to good quality journalism. And at that time, it means that editors become far more risk averse. They're less willing to allow somebody like me off the leash to basically do a dig. Because the the big lesson from my career historically has been uh, having editors and executive producers, people who recognise that I'm good at digging up stuff and that they let me go where I want to go, where my natural curiosity takes me. And the, um, th- the thing that fascinates me about UFOs is there's always been a taboo about the subject in newsrooms. You're always told uh, from a very early age uh, in, the, in the business, you're told that the subject is ridiculable, it's, um, it's rubbish, it's taboo. Uh, media organisations treat the subject with scepticism and, um, and, and as you should. But the reality is, is when I started doing my job as a journalist, quite often I'd get calls from people saying to me, look, have a look at this evidence. And a lot of it was from people in, uh, I've done a lot of work in um, national security areas, defence, intelligence, terrorism. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I've done a lot of sort of police investigations. And what fascinated me was the number of people who were saying to me that there were real recorded anomalous events uh, that were even in the archives of our defence department, our intelligence services, our police agencies. They were videoed. They were multiple witness events. And rather than engaging with these things like you would any other subject where there was such a preponderance of evidence, the the attitude always seems to be flick it, just ignore it. And I, I could never understand why that was the case. And, and throughout my career as a journalist, I've seen incidents where people have rung up newsrooms and they've offered stories and basically said, look, you know, I've taken this photograph. I saw this weird object. And um, more importantly, when I was working for Four Corners, which, as you'd know, it's one of Australia's more prestigious public affairs shows, I was really struck by the fact that I was doing a story on the Air Force and I was dealing with very, very senior people in our Air Force and we were having a drink in a bar one night and one of them basically said to me, look, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And he said, why don't you chaps do stories on UFOs? And I said, well, because they're bullshit. You know, it's, it's rubbish. And, um, and he said, no, they're not. And I was in a bar that was basically an Air Force bar on, a, on an airbase in Australia, and he was just calling people over, saying, hey, Joe, come over here, you know, Alan, come over here. And so a lot of these guys would just come over, and in the context of a friendly drink where there was no camera going, they basically would admit to me, look, yeah, actually, I have seen stuff, you know, and there were fighter pilots that had seen stuff. There was a P-3 Orion pilot who did Indian Ocean patrols, who regularly saw weird, solid objects that he tracked on his radar system. And it really struck me that when I went and had a look at the Australian archives, as you'd know, there's a 30-year rule on the release of official information. But um, when I first started looking, I was reading stuff from the 50s, 60s, and the 70s, which showed that our Air Force was regularly seeing strange stuff. And uh, it wasn't getting into the mainstream press. And the bottom line is, as we are increasingly learning through shows like yours, the public has a wisdom, a a wisdom of the crowd that goes beyond what the media tells you, the subjects that they think are important. Uh, I think people think 
that this subject of anomalous phenomena in our skies and in our oceans and in our in our orbit is real. And I, I, I think people don't like the fact that the media proscribes what you and I are allowed to hear about it. And uh, I don't think there's men in black basically telling us to shut up about it, but I just think that we've been so effectively stigmatised and ridiculed in the subject area that um, I think a lot of media are actually frightened of engaging. They've told themselves it's rubbish. And uh, even when I started researching the subject, people would sort of have this ironic smile come across their face and they'd kind of giggle nervously and say, Roscoe, you're doing a book about UFOs? You're doing a film about UFOs? What the hell? Why? And I'd go, well, because the Pentagon, as I discovered, is saying it's real. I do not understand how UFOs are not the biggest story of our lifetime, to be honest. (laughs) I'm with you. I mean, I I actually sort of agree with you because, I mean, now that I'm aware of the evidence, I mean, I had to do basically a degree in ufology in order to begin to understand. <laughs> you know, I've, I've spoken to so many people and I've used the privilege of being a journalist with international connections to ring and talk to people directly, including witnesses, scientists, people in the defence and intelligence services. And I, I slowly began to realise that when I engaged with this subject seriously, Officials in my government, in the American government, British government, French government, they were really prepared to engage. They wanted to talk about this and and they weren't poo-pooing it and saying it was rubbish. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm as perplexed as you are by the fact that this is treated with such stigma because it's ridiculous. It's absurd. It it really is because this is a, a phenomenon, an event that doesn't discriminate against who it happens to because on this show I've had I've had guests from every walk of life and they're police officers they're surgeons they're doctors and these are these are all very very pre- professional uh, outlets of, of employment and they all feel very stigmatized about how they can talk about this to anyone so you know that's why platforms like mine exist so people can come on and they can do it under a fake name or something like that to to share their story, to let them know that I'm not crazy. This stuff actually happens. And it's funny because as a journalist, I'm fascinated by the fact that um, media is burgeoning in social media, online. You know, there are podcasts like yours. There are blogs. And what it's doing is filling a very real need. I mean, I'm really blown away, Kate. I'm quite humbled, actually, by the volume of messages and calls and emails that I've been receiving in the last few weeks since my documentary aired on Channel 7. Uh, It's just been, I mean, I just cannot keep up with it. And I apologise to people who've basically been hoping I can correspond directly with them one-on-one straight away. It's it's going to take me weeks, if not months. I I think I've got 11,500 messages sitting in different inboxes. It's just insane. And a lot of it is information that is fresh information, documentary evidence, photographs, videos, first-person witness statements. People really are enthusiastic for this subject to be investigated. And I, I feel sad about it because the mainstream media is actually missing out on a story that really is the zeitgeist. It's what people are really interested in talking about. And I feel I've tapped into that zeitgeist. And as a journalist, that's the sort of thing that you dream about, that you're actually engaging with your audience on something that they want to hear about. And 
just in case there's scientists out there who think that we're pandering to the unscientific, I want to give science a bollocksing. I, I really do. The, the, the pompous turds that run science, that see themselves as the gatekeepers of science, who dictate what evidence will be sufficient in order for something paranormal to be taken seriously. They've got their heads in their butts. They really have. I mean, I'm really shocked at how there are mainstream scientists who dictate, as I write in my book, that there is no level of evidence, of witness evidence, that would ever convince a scientist you know, this is one declaration that I quote. He said, witness evidence is no evidence as far as I'm concerned, as far as science is concerned. And who are these people? The bottom line is scientists use observations all the time. When Charles Darwin was looking at Galapagos finches a hundred and something years ago, nobody said, oh, look, we can't trust Charles Darwin because he's a bit weird. You know, he's got these crazy ideas. You know, they accepted that he was a scientist and he was making legitimate observations. Now, the big problem for the study of the phenomena is that it's not replicable. It's very hard to verify and repeat an experiment because it doesn't manifest itself for human beings on call. Um, and so it makes it very, very hard to ascribe to the standard rules of science. But witness evidence is very clearly important evidence. And when you have the accumulation of evidence that, for example, the United States Navy, the military has clearly been forced to publicly admit that it's acquired in relation to the Nimitz incident, the USS Nimitz incident in 2004, the USS Theodore Roosevelt incidents over 2014-2015, major battle carrier groups winding up for war in the Middle East, multiple craft, multiple uh, destroyers, aircraft carriers gathered in one location in an ocean. Every sensor system in that entire battle fleet accumulating the same verifiable evidence that shows that objects were doing weird things. I mean, Kevin Day, who I interviewed for my film, he was on the uh, combat weapon system for the USS Princeton, which is a guided weapons destroyer. And he described seeing multiple objects hovering for days above 80,000 feet. Impossible for a lot of human technology. They weren't balloons. They weren't drones. They weren't any known aircraft. And then on the day that David Fravor, the F-18 pilot, had his encounter with the Tic Tac UFO, Kevin Day literally watched on screen as his radar plot tracked an object travelling in 0.78 of a second from above 80,000 feet to the surface of the ocean, literally the blink of an eye. That's instantaneous almost movement, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of kilometres an hour. Um, people have tracked on sensor systems and videoed objects doing anomalous, purportedly impossible manoeuvres that, that defy known human science. This can no longer be ignored because the Pentagon has been forced to admit the military of the most powerful country in the world has been forced to admit that it can't explain this phenomenon. Uh, you know, out of 144 incidents since 2004, 
the UAP task force for the Office of the Director of National Intelligence has admitted it can't explain 143. It could only explain one of them. And I've spoken to some of those fighter pilots. I've, I've engaged with people in the Congress who've been briefed on what happened in those events. And I know that the prosaic explanations that would ordinarily be considered to exclude this as an anomalous phenomena have already been canvassed. They've been looked at and reviewed and they've been discounted. It wasn't a weather balloon. It wasn't a drone. It wasn't a misidentified aircraft. It was and remains a genuine mystery. Now, you might notice I'm not saying it's extraterrestrial or intraterrestrial or interdimensional. I'm not saying it's aliens. I'm not saying it's not human. But even the Pentagon admits, albeit it acknowledges the impro improbability of it, it admits that one of the possible explanations is that, is that this is a technology that's not of this earth, that we are potentially being visited by non-human advanced intelligence. So we're in completely new paradigm now. This is amazing. We're on, we are in incredible times. We really are. And uh, the, the future of this whole subject is so incredibly exciting because you know, we've just had the, the US government come out with their, their UAP report. And I don't know what your, your thoughts are. This is, this is just a really tiny part of the, the whole picture, but even changing the, the terminology from UFO to, to UAP to kind of remove that stigma that there's little green men that are driving objects that are in the sky and transferring it more to that phenomenon based mindset shows that the i feel like the the whole subject is maturing not only on a on a professional level but it gives i think media outlets a, a safer way to also approach talking about these things in a more mainstream manner i'm amazed Kate, because um You'd be aware, you know, the public broadcaster here in Australia, the ABC, they take a traditionally very conservative mainstream view to the phenomenon of UAPs, UFOs. And I've done quite a few interviews on the ABC and they'll always say, oh, look, you know, we're bringing you on for maybe two or three minutes, five minutes. And then I start explaining one of the first questions they always ask me is what you ask me, you know, why are you taking this issue seriously? Why is somebody with your journalistic background and you know, I guess your pedigree, if you like, taking this seriously and engaging with the subject matter because isn't it rubbish? And I explain, no, it's not rubbish. And and invariably the um, the conversations last much, much longer than they planned and they're cancelling bookings and viewers are calling in. And, and this is the thing I love. The thing I love is that there are people out there who have seen things, who felt intimidated or... Um, badgered into not revealing what they've seen, including people that I've spoken to in the military. I mean, I, I spoke to a guy the other day that was part of a unit in Northwest Cape that were on patrol late at night and they literally looked up and there hovering overhead was something that was just massive. It was a triangular objects that was the shape of multiple football fields with lights underneath, hovering overhead, no noise. There was clearly some kind of plasma glow about it that, that made them think that it was a craft. It appeared to be intelligently controlled. It appeared to know that they were there. And um, 
<laughs> you've got these guys who were special forces soldiers on patrol. The guy didn't want to go on the record, but, you know, he's happy to talk about what he saw. And then, um, you know, this is just one of literally I've had thousands of messages like that. People from all over the place who've never spoken about what they've saw. A, a commercial pilot who I just happened to know socially through um, Qantas. And um, he'd flown me when I was working for 60 Minutes and we'd got to know each other because he flew me around the world so much. And um, he uh, he contacted me out of the blue and told me how when he was flying over the Italian Alps, they'd seen in crystal clear sky a spherical metallic object that literally tracked with the cockpit of his aeroplane. And I said, just as a matter of interest, did you report this to Qantas at the time? And he laughed and he said, no way would I report this to Qantas. And I said, is that because Qantas tells you that they don't want to hear about UFO stories? And he goes, no. But he says, I guess that a lot of us in the uh, aviation industry fear that we're going to be targeted or tarred with the, the brush of crazy person. Because, you know, if you're flying 300 passengers around, you want to give the the people that are assessing your psychological stability, the sense that you are a, a balanced, sober, normal human being. So more often than not, if you see something anomalous like that, you you won't talk about it. And and it's it's a really clever strategy. And I, I actually do think the evidence is overwhelming that this was conceived as a deliberate disinformation strategy by U.S. intelligence services in the 1960s and the 1970s. There are documents to show that, that a deliberate policy of ridicule, stigma and taboo was conceived to discourage people from speaking publicly about UAPs. Yeah, it's something that is just so ingrained in in popular culture in the zeitgeist that it's it's something that will almost be impossible to break without something major, something groundbreaking, just shatter, shattering the illusion that, you know, you're not crazy if you see these things and these these things are all real. These things actually happen. And it really boggles my mind that we have pilots and people in control of planes that weigh hundreds of tons who aren't reporting these things when they see them because... For me, I feel like that's a major safety issue. Well, this is the this is why, I mean, one of the things you'd know from your research is that since Project Blue Book ended in 1969, and at that point, the American Air Force made the slightly pompous declaration that, that UFOs are not a subject for serious investigation, that, that almost all of them, the vast majority can be prosaically explained and uh, of those that remain there's almost certainly a scientific explanation that can rule out anything you know extraordinary or paranormal or anomalous and they asserted flatly that it wasn't a national security issue that there wasn't a flight safety issue and on that basis both our government in Australia, the British government, and uh, almost every allied government around the world, including America, has basically taken that line with any inquiry about UAPs for much of the last 60 years since the closure of Blue Book. And yet, when I started doing my research, and this was the real wake-up call for me, it became so obvious that investigations by the US Air Force in particular, but also more broadly, the entire United States military industrial complex had never stopped. They've always investigated the phenomenon because 
as the UAP task force, uh, just for the benefit of your listeners, the Congress through the Senate Intelligence Committee in December last year ordered a um, or requested a report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence into what the US government knows about the UAP phenomenon. And that report, as you know, came down in 28th of June. And whilst it didn't say it's little green men, it acknowledged for the first time in our lifetimes that this is a real subject, that, that UFOs, UAPs are real, that there's no dispute about that. There is a genuine mystery. More importantly, though, and this screamed out to me when I read the report, which was pretty thin on paper, it acknowledged that there had been 11 near misses involving US fighter pilots where, in one case, I've spoken to one of these guys, um, literally a sphere, a, a charcoal sphere inside a translucent cube screamed between two fighter jets flying at about 30,000 feet with literally only a few feet between them. And the, you know, that's a flight safety issue. You know, that is an anomalous solid object literally taking on the most powerful fighters on the most powerful nation on the planet and humbling them with its awesome technological display. And so the incredible thing in that report was that it acknowledged that, yes, in defiance of 60 years of US Air Force statements, there is a flight safety issue. And more importantly, this is a probable or a possible national security concern. And it also asked the question, and various officials have commented on this as well, was this potentially American technology you know is this something that's being worked on in the black because that's that's the um, occam's razor explanation you know the potentially most simple explanation here is that what we're looking at is a technology that like different aerospace breakthroughs by lockheed martin skunk works over the years it's being worked on in the black and eventually the public will get told about it but the Americans have formally denied that that's the case. They've basically said that it's not theirs. It's not American technology. And they've also suggested that they doubt very much that it's their rivals, China or Russia, that it's not known technology from any other country on the planet. Which begs the question then, what the hell is it? And so that's that's why the significance of the UAP task force report that went to Congress is so awesome, so mind-blowing, because it literally is a backflip with a double pike on what the US Air Force and the different governments and our military all around the world have been saying for the last 60 years. They've now acknowledged it's real, that UAPs, UFOs are real, that it's a flight safety threat issue and that it's a potential national security concern. We are in entirely new world scenarios here. It's, it's a completely different situation now. And that's why I'm quite excited, because uh, I've been engaging with uh, people in the Congress, senators, congressmen, and their staffers who privately tell me that they do want hearings, that they've been talking to some of these military witnesses that uh, people like um, Lou Elizondo, the former Pentagon UFO investigator, Christopher Mellon, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defence, they've been quietly lining up these military witnesses who want to give 
evidence, who want to speak to the Congress, hopefully in open public hearing. And they want the public to know what they know. And I know a lot of what they're going to say. They're talking about objects that have been tracked as fast walkers in orbit, clearly intelligently controlled, entering our planet's atmosphere, manoeuvring at speeds in our atmosphere and doing turns that are far beyond known human technology. Um, There's the phenomenon of USOs, underwater submerged objects, high-speed objects traveling in some cases at hundreds of knots that have been verified by both acoustic and electromagnetic detection arrays, uh, magnetic anomaly arrays set up by the United States under the waters in the Pacific and the Indian Ocean, showing objects moving, vast objects, huge objects moving at high speed underwater. By any measure, there is a plethora of witnesses lined up, ducks in a row, ready to give evidence. And so we're at this very interesting point now where I suspect the issue is in danger of losing momentum that that it becomes i mean this is the this is the weakness of mainstream media at the moment and this is why shows like yours are actually quite important much much more important than i think you realize that even great papers like the new york times i know the journos that have had a work had a job raising those earlier stories like um leslie kane ralph blumenthal Helene Cooper, and over at the Washington Examiner, Tom Rogan and Brian Bender on Politico, Tim McMillan on The Debrief, MJ Benias. These guys have been breaking story after story after story, but there's an impetus that everybody's hoping is going to develop. And I think we're in danger of getting stuck in the bog. I really do fear that that we're going to lose momentum and that those hoped-for congressional hearings aren't going to happen. And I've got a suspicion that it's going to take more in terms of revelations from within to propel Congress to push publicly for transparent, open public hearings. Because when the public starts hearing what I've been hearing, a lot of which I can't talk about because it's on a background, not for attribution basis from sources, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing what the United States government knows and has been covering up, and I'm quite confident about that, has been covering up for decades. Yeah, it is It is something where the it's almost like it's power to the public to come out with the information. I'm really excited for just the, the next person to come out with that next piece of evidence or, or information where it just it hits those mainstream outlets and it's just an undeniable source and the the evidence is clear as day there's just no denying it because what we see getting leaked we've seen the the tic tac the gimbal the go fast we've just seen these these recent triangle uh ships flying above u.s navy warships and these are all just undeniable pieces of pieces of evidence well they're not they're not undeniable i mean they need to be tested and i'm a little skeptical to be honest about some of the claims that have been made about the I think, pyramid-shaped UFO that hovered over, I think, the USS Kidd. I'm just not confident yet that we can accept, you know, some of the assertions that have been made. And I'd like to see more evidence, basically. Um, uh, One of the things that I think is a risk here, and I've, I've had this happen to me as a journalist, one of the things that I think is a risk here is that 
the gatekeepers of this of the big secret if you like they're very good at disinformation and all you need is one false fact to creep through one incorrect assertion that can be demonstrated to be complete bs and then the public go yeah yeah i thought all along it was rubbish you know and this is the danger that that people especially people who aren't trained in how to assess evidence in an objective and balanced way, how to go to sources and check something. It's why things need to be checked. And I know that's tedious because a lot of people go, oh, come on, let's just get the bloody story out there, you know. But the the reality is you have to check because there's a history of disinformation here. You've got colourful villains like Rick Doty from the Air Force Office of Special Investigations who literally on his own admission went around sowing disinformation, lies, falsehoods that were sowed in the UFO community to essentially mislead people and um, essentially using the credulity, the credulity of the uh, uh, the UFO uh, community to, to basically uh, hide other things. And um, when you've got people that do that inside government agencies and it's authorised, it's part of a national security directive, you, you have to be very careful and, and measured in what you say and do. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's so easy to, to jump on the hype train. And that's that's what believers want. They they love to jump on the hype train. They love to see that everything that's out there is real because I guess the, the thing is for experiences, they're, they're knowers. They, they know what they've seen. They know what they've experienced. And a lot of people seem to almost want that reassurance of what I saw was real. And I guess when you, you have these gatekeepers who hand out the information as they see fit to, to almost push that narrative that they want, like you said, it can create that, that real dangerous area of misinformation. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. I mean, look, one of the things that I've had is I I made an inadvertent comment a couple of weeks ago in one of my early interviews where I, I was actually thinking about a guy who stalked me and my family who was psychotic and who was quite mentally ill, but, you know, he claimed to be an abductee. And um, in the interview, people mistakenly thought I was saying that all people who purport to be abductees are mentally ill. And I wasn't saying that at all. But one of the things that I've found is that there is a phenomenon in the community of people who've had these experiences that they almost require you to have a kind of a semi-religious belief to just accept what they say without question and you know i can't do that i I have to be able to test it and so one of the one of the reasons i'm agnostic on the issue of abductions frankly is i just don't know i mean i I haven't experienced it i don't know anything about it 
But one of the, if you like, paranormal issues that I do think has validity because I've been able to verify that it's real and I've spoken to experts who've underlined that it's real. One of the phenomena that truly fascinates me, and I don't know if it is connected to the UAP phenomenon, is cattle mutilations. And I understand you're up in Cairns. Well, there's a couple in uh, a farm, a remote farm near Gympie, up near Mackay there, uh, in far north Queensland, who've been having the most weird experiences where I think at least 15 of their cattle have been found with extraordinary wounds to their body where organs, key organs, have been removed with no visible evidence to show how those excisions could have been performed. You know, it's beyond... I've spoken to veterinarians who've told me that they've seen this phenomenon all over Australia, including one guy in northern New South Wales who doesn't want to go on the record, but he took me through the detail of how, you know, he he literally dissected a cow that had died in mysterious circumstances. Um, And when he opened it up, there were no excisions on the outside of the animal, but the entire reproductive organs and even the tissue right out to the animal's vagina um, had been removed from within. Now, there's, there's, there's no way you can do that. And he tracked it. He's got autopsy photographs that he's shown me. He took diagrams. He had witnesses that sat in on the autopsy because he thought it was so unusual. He's seen this on multiple occasions. It's like there is a phenomenon that is capable of doing surgically precise cuts to within a micron of human tissue that on our technology is just not possible. You know, you can't excise the entire rectum and anus of an animal uh, without cutting other blood vessels. But he said you could actually see this translucent sheen of the adjoining blood vessels that hadn't been penetrated and the organ had just simply disappeared. And, uh, you know, the animal had clearly been functioning with that organ in the days prior. It had had baby calves, you know. So there was... um, there's a phenomenon there, a genuine mystery that I'm not able to explain. Now, because it's weird, do I as a journalist discount that? Do I go, oh, look, it freaks me out a little bit, so I shouldn't look at it. And when I spoke to Mick and Judy Cook, who were the couple that I spoke to on their farm, they were genuinely rattled by what they'd seen. And more importantly, the vet that I spoke to from northern New South Wales, he was really spooked because he decided that the phenomenon, whatever it was, had followed him to another farm. And then and then that farm started having the same creepy phenomena where animals were having, you know, completely exsanguinated corpses found with organs, key organs removed with no visible way in which those organs were excised. And I, I, I think you know, we have to engage with this seriously. We we really have to acknowledge it's real because science is clearly missing the boat here. It's it's in many ways it's conservatism is restraining it from acknowledging the reality of something that frankly experts are now acknowledging is real. And I that's why I commend people like Avi Loeb, the uh Harvard astrophysicist who has been quite outspoken in pushing for investigation of what he thinks might be extraterrestrial phenomena in our galaxy that he's been seeing. It's all incredibly mind-blowing stuff to 
to witness such unknown activity happen and then to have that follow you that that vet would have just I couldn't imagine the feeling that they have <laughs> going day in day out knowing that you know potentially this type of phenomena is now following you around or you're starting to see a connection between between these cases it would be something that is quite eerie and I would imagine it would be a, a massive shift of paradigm for for them to try and understand and, and evaluate that well this is where this is where we come to the issue of consciousness and human perception because after a couple of years of looking at this I'm I'm led in the direction that Doc, uh, Jacques Vallée the noted and celebrated um, ufologist uh, has himself acknowledged that he's come to which is that you can't look at this phenomenon without considering the fact that the evidence is overwhelming that it is capable of what the United States Pentagon has actually acknowledged, which is psychotronic effects. It's capable of meddling with human consciousness and perception. It's arguably capable of making us see things that aren't really there. It's even possible that it might even be able to be able to make detection systems see things that aren't really there. And so that's why when I say that people are saying that they're seeing solid objects and that these objects are being tracked on radar, I think I keep on coming back to a slide that has in this whole debate been largely overlooked. Um, it was obtained by Jay from the Mind Sublime blog in the United Kingdom. He found it on Chris Mellon's website. And I, I suspect the way that Chris Mellon, the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defence, leaked the Tic Tac, Gimbal and GoFast videos to the New York Times was that rather than physically handing to them the videos, he left them on his website so that they could download them. And then there was no sort of, if you like, active role that he played in leaking them. It's a clever way that bureaucrats and leakers some, sometimes do this. But also on his website was what's known as Slide 9, which was a, a briefing uh, slide used to brief the Undersecretary for Defence in the uh, Pentagon. And this is a big guy. This is a big kahuna in the in the defence hierarchy. This is the person just below the Secretary for Defence. And they are also the person who run the Office for the Director of National Intelligence, which is the office out of which um, Lou Elizondo ran the Pentagon UFO investigation program. And the slide that I'm talking about, otherwise known as slide nine, revealed advice given to the Undersecretary for Defence that the phenomenon is capable of manipulating human consciousness and perception. And that it literally can make you see things that aren't there. It can also penetrate solid facilities like ICBM silos. It can enter solid buildings and pass through walls. I'm not saying this. The Pentagon is, by the way. This isn't crazy stuff. This is the Pentagon saying this. And this is the thing that fascinates me, is that I think ultimately what we're going to find is that the phenomenon, whatever it is, is stranger than just little green men coming from Mars. I don't think, and Jacques Vallée said this 30 years ago, I don't think that the uh, extraterrestrial hypothesis, the ETH, explains what we're talking about here. Um, I, I've spoken to numerous people who 
when I when I talk to them about their experience, they say to me, "Do you know it? It, it never occurred to me to take a photograph, or it's weird. I didn't think about it for days, and then I was triggered to remember the incident because of blah." And it's like something is playing with human consciousness. Something's meddling with our mind to stop us engaging with the phenomenon. It's like whatever it is, it's intelligent and it's essentially trying to gag humanity from noticing it. And that fascinates me because there's some great books that have been written in the area of parapsychology that talk about the trickster phenomenon that essentially paranormal phenomena almost plays with humanity, that it manifests itself when it chooses to. And the people who experience it are driven crazy by it to some extent because they can't replicate it. They can't prove to people that it's real, but they've seen it. And once you've seen it and experienced it, it's it's clear to you that there is a phenomenon there that is, you know, stranger than stranger than science. And and I, I I accept that there is a phenomena that is manifesting itself to humanity at the moment. The UAP phenomenon is part of it. Cattle mutilation is part of it, and stranger paranormal phenomena are part of it. And we need to start taking it seriously as a society, as a culture, because the experiences aren't all crazy. Absolutely. And that's something, something you said there, it really, it really hit me hard because the, the thing about people not quite wanting to take a photo, pull their phone out, capture what they're seeing on, on camera, not only really relates to, to the UFO and the UAP phenomenon, but it, it happens to so many other phenomenon that kind of hover around that. So that's, that's, uh, paranormal events where, Things are happening that they can't quite explain. They're caught in a moment and something's just stopping them from pulling out their camera to capture it. And then the whole thing of not remembering it for a couple of days or so. Mm. I, could, I couldn't tell you how many people have come on my show to say, you know, it wasn't until someone else talked about it that I realized I saw this UFO. Yeah. And what is, the part that hit me the hardest is that I recently had this happen to me where I had a guest on the show who talked about a UFO encounter that they had. And it is honestly like I got hit with a bolt of lightning because I remembered I seen something like that years ago. Mm. And just it just never occurred to me to tell anyone or talk about it. And when he told me that, it was just, it, it kind of floored me in the interview because it just blew my mind. Well, what fascinates me is that there's a certain hubris and arrogance in modern science that says that it can't be there if therefore it isn't. And all credit to Leslie Kane, she uses that line in her book. And it's a frustration that she expresses that science takes this head in the sand view. I mean, I really admire Leslie. She's written a fantastic book on UFOs, but she's also written a more interesting book as well on surviving death. And there's actually a series that I think has recently been on Netflix where it explores the phenomenon of surviving death. And some of the episodes are a bit thin, but there's some amazing accounts there that, frankly, are scientific. You know, there's verifiable phenomena where witnesses have asserted things and then they've gone and checked them and actually proven that that what they asserted they saw or experienced is verifiable. And it makes you wonder... Why does science take such a, a head-in-the-sand view with phenomena 
when it's slightly weird. And, you know, it's funny because um, Carl Sagan made that claim, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Why should extraordinary claims require any more evidence than we normally expect for any scientific proof? Why should they? Who's the pompous scientist that feels that they can assert that? It is pompous. I mean, and also more importantly, if I can just assert this to your audience, science doesn't own the people who say that they're the gatekeepers of science. They don't own science. Science is a gift that came as a result of human understanding out of the Enlightenment, where we understood that superstitious belief based on no data, no evidence was a really crazy way to run a society. You can't stone women who heal people just because you think they're a witch. It may very well be that the willow bark that they were using genuinely could fix pain. You know, we've used science as a way of verifying phenomena that previously we treated with religious superstition and belief. And now what's interesting to me is modern science is, or a, Parts of modern science, very much institutional modern science, are refusing to engage or declining or reluctant to engage with a phenomenon that is showing itself. It's turning up on the sensor systems of US fighter jets. It's being tracked by E-2 Hawkeye aircraft. It's being monitored on the combat weapons systems of the USS Princeton. It's being picked up by defense support program satellites in deep space, objects maneuvering and vectoring and changing velocity. It's being picked up by um, uh, videos, cameras, you know, the, the ubiquitous mobile phones. Um, you can't ignore this, you know, and I, I think ultimately what I'm really struck by as a journalist is I've been genuinely taken aback by the scale. I, I knew my book was going to um, arouse people's inquisitiveness and, you know, it was a hard row to persuade a publisher, a conventional publisher, to let me, a serious insect journalist, write a book on the UAP issue. But I think even they've been taken aback. I mean, at the moment, we're number one on Amazon and UFO books and number one in the main bookshops here in Australia. People really want to know about this subject and they're gratified that somebody like me is engaging with it. And ultimately, I welcome the opportunity to get hard data, to get evidence, because I'm evidence-driven. And so if somebody can give me, for example, evidence about abductions that allows me to advance the issue further, I will. If somebody can give me a way of proving what lies behind the mystery of cattle mutilations, I will. If somebody can show me the evidence that there is indeed a black aerospace program that's operating in the deepest of secrecy, where we're testing new anti-gravitic technology and free energy systems that are doing phenomenal things that are taking human technology a thousand years in the future, I'd love to see that evidence. Because there's only a few other possible explanations and conclusions that, that we can exclude before we get to the awesome possibility that what we're talking about here is an intelligence that is not human, that is engaging with humanity, and I suspect may indeed have been engaging with humanity for a very, very long time. Indeed. So I take it, Ross, that this is really the, the tip of the iceberg for you. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, uh, I'm really fascinated when I go to dinner parties. You know, I'm one of these people that goes to dinner parties, and the people there are lawyers and um, doctors and business people, and they go, "Oh, I'm kind of like the um, the slightly weird one on the table." Because they go, "Oh, you know, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing, Ross, at the moment?" And I go, oh, "I'm writing a book about UFOs." And there's this kind of silence for a moment where people go, oh, really? Oh, how interesting. And then inevitably around that table, even in that small group of, say, six or seven people, somebody says they've seen something. And it's often paranormal or it's it's not necessarily UFOs. But what I think is that there is just, if you look sideways, there's just often something that's just on your peripheral vision, that if you look and if you engage with it, it's there. And a lot of people have got these stories and we go through life basically ignoring it. And I, I, I think it's time to start looking at it and taking it seriously and engaging with it because it's real. And, and this is the thing that I keep on coming back to, that there's no going back. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle with the Pentagon's admissions that have come out in the last few weeks. The most powerful military on the planet has acknowledged a mystery that people have been talking about for a hundred years. So since you've you've dived in on this, Ross, you you stated at the start of this interview that you originally thought that the the whole UFO, the UAP subject was kind of bullshit. How has that paradigm changed for you? Well, I mean I've done I've applied the skill set that I apply as a journalist. I mean, journalists have the privilege, I guess, of being able to approach people in positions of power, influence, and um, uh, knowledge who ordinarily might not engage with Joe Public. And I've heinously misused that connection to basically ask questions. So I've I've gone to former senior defence officials and serving intelligence officials and military people and I've sat them down and put them in a position where they know that they're speaking to me confidentially and I've said, what about this incident? And for, so, for example, I mean, one of the turning points for me where I started quite openly talking about a cover-up was I'd heard about the Westall 1966 UFO incident. And for those of your listeners that aren't familiar with this story, on the 6th of April 1966, in broad daylight, around about 10.30, 11 o'clock in the morning, at the Westall High School in South Clayton in Melbourne, there's about 100 kids on a footy field and then a whole lot of kids come out for playtime. And so you've got about 200 humans standing on a football field in broad daylight, clear skies, no clouds, and they all look up. And there's three metallic elliptical discs hovering right over the kids. And nobody can explain what those discs were. And more importantly, the kids and the adults that were with them describe objects that were clearly intelligently controlled. They were vectoring and manoeuvring in response to light Cessna aircraft that were clearly trying to engage with the objects and get close with them. And every time the aircraft came near, they would literally, in the blink of an eye, as the witnesses describe it, move to another point of the sky. Phenomenal technology, technology displaying a propulsion system that I can't understand, that I don't know. The, the, the thing that leapt out of me with Westall was 
I spoke to Andrew Greenwood, who was the science teacher on the day, who walked out with the kids and saw one of these objects literally hovering overhead. You know, he was 50 metres away from what he says was a solid metallical object. You know, he says it wasn't a balloon. He said he laughs at the idea that it was a balloon. And one of the things that screams to me about this is the government's never said what it was. They never gave any explanation. There was never any attempt to explain what was happening here. In fact, what there was was an attempt to shut it down. And Andrew, who's now, I think he's in his 70s, late 70s or early 80s, he described to me how um, about two weeks after the sighting, uh, he'd given a very brief interview to the Dandenong local newspaper and told them, look, you know, he'd seen this very weird object and the Dandenong paper was beginning to take an interest. And on his doorstep, there's a guy dressed in an Air Force uniform, an Australian Air Force uniform. And there's also a guy who he assumed was from an intelligence or a police service. And they basically threatened him. They, they flat out threatened him and told him that if he kept on talking about what he'd seen, they would shut him down. They would make him lose his job. And they, they threatened to say that he was an alcoholic and that, um, uh, you know, he should lose his teaching license because he was an alcoholic, which, of course, he wasn't. And it's interesting because as a result of that, as a journalist, I started asking questions and um, I heard about the fact that there had been a secret report written for the then government department that, that was monitoring this phenomenon, the Department of Supply, which is now part of the Department of Defence. And the history of the Department of the Supply is fascinating because it was created to facilitate the British nuclear weapons testing at Maralinga in South Australia in the 1950s. And it also went on to supervise the supply, if you like, of um, resources to the British um, during the Woomera ICBM missile testing uh, in the 1960s. And so this Department of Supply clearly had a kind of a Cold War top secret role. And it's interesting that it's kind of disappeared, if you like, from uh, Australia's knowledge. It's just come and gone. But as a journalist, I've made contact over the years with many senior public servants. And out of the blue, I had a phone call from a, a public servant who I knew and respected from a very senior role that he'd played in, um, uh, in his position uh, in a very major government department and he said why are you looking at Westall and I said how do you even know I'm looking at Westall and he said well because my sister and I take a close interest in Westall and I said why and he said because our father wrote the secret report for the department of supply and I know this guy I mean he's no he's not lying to me he's not driven by any agenda to mislead me he's a highly credible human being who I've spoken with before on an incredibly important public interest issue. Uh, he's highly authoritative, well-respected, uh, somebody with, you know, literally decorations from the government for the role that he's played in government. And um, he told me that his father wrote the secret report for the Department of Supply into the Westall 1966 incident, and he watched his father write it at the kitchen table and uh, heard him discussing with his mother how this event had completely rocked and shocked his worldview. Uh, wow. And 
The interesting thing is we uh, I've worked with a guy called Shane Ryan who runs the Westall 1966 Facebook page. And I've made my own inquiries myself with both the Defence Department and the Archives Department trying to find this Department of Supply secret report. And it has disappeared. And that's where it gets interesting for me because there is a pattern that I've seen with the Westall case and other cases internationally where governments try to shut this issue down. They're suppressing interest in the issue. They're trying to disinform public awareness of the issue. And that's where it gets interesting for me, because if this is just a phenomena that is nothing to do with humanity, why would they try and suppress it? Exactly. Yeah. And this is where it gets interesting for me, because it raises the possibility in my mind that just maybe the US is developing stuff in the black. Maybe there is technology that is being developed in secret, in collusion with allies like Australia, testing technology over places like, as I revealed in my book, In Plain Sight, over Northwest Cape. You know, there's weird sightings that have occurred for many years over a part, a remote part of Western Australia, seen by many, many locals, uh, witnessed by military witnesses, um, scientists, people that I've spoken to and engaged with over many, many weeks. And they've got a consistent and clear account of what they say they've seen. Um, this demands investigation because if it's just if it is just ET, you know, if it is just a non-human intelligence engaging with humanity, why would we suppress that? You know, if that's the case, it's more plausible to me. And this is why I still default to that possible explanation. It's more plausible to me that there is a, a, a plausible explanation that, that we are working on technology in the black, at least for part of this, that explains part of this phenomenon. And um, that's where it gets interesting for me. But one thing I can't do is, now that the genie's out of the bottle, now that the Defence Department is admitting the reality of this phenomenon, I can't discount it and just say, you know what, it's kind of weird and it's kind of unsettling and disturbing. I don't want to think about it. End of story. Which I think is what a lot of people choose to do. And I think that even happens to people who have experiences with this. They, it's just easier to forget that you just saw something that wasn't normal. You saw something that maybe isn't supposed to exist, and a lot of people just choose to to live with the fact that I didn't see it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's um, I, look, I think for a lot of people to a religious faith, it's an uncomfortable proposition to think of an intelligence that's perhaps not God or Jesus or whatever you believe in. But then, what is religion? Religion is essentially a belief in a higher intelligence that is essentially guiding human destiny, um, uh, angels coming down from the sky. I mean, even Aboriginal mythology, the Wanjana people, you know, the notion of the, uh, the mysterious large-headed creatures that are painted in Aboriginal rock paintings. You know, there is a mystery there, an anomalous phenomenon that has been acknowledged through millennia by humanity. Uh, and I don't think we should dismiss it out of hand. I think we should be engaging with and acknowledging it and not misusing science to discount it. Um, you know, the pomposity of people who perceive themselves as gatekeepers of science, who assert that we shouldn't look at something because we don't think it's true. It's ridiculous because in many cases, what we've been told is paranormal phenomena has turned out to be real. 
and a lot of what quantum physics is now describing, you know, um, uh, interconnected particles, you know, the weirdness, the high weirdness and the high strangeness of quantum physics is describing an uncertainty that goes well beyond Newtonian physics. And um, I, I, one of the privileges of my job has been to engage with scientists at a very high level. I was, I was talking recently to uh, people who were involved in the analysis of the Hestalen phenomenon in Norway, which are these anomalous lights that have been recorded and verified with technology over many, many years by scientists, uh, including an Italian scientist called Massimo Teodorino. And um, it interests me that there is... Not a fringe, but there is a certainly a growing group of scientists who acknowledge the reality of the phenomenon and who want to understand it. And the interesting thing is that those iconoclasts, those people who are going against the grain and, and essentially defying mainstream gatekeepers by even engaging with this subject matter, they're the ones that are going to make the discoveries. And that's the lesson of modern science. You know, modern science has always had outliers people who've questioned like one of the one of the great bits of scientific discovery in australia that i think is in incredibly good was the discovery made by an australian scientist that ulcers weren't caused by stress that they were caused essentially by a bug and that uh, you know he proved this by essentially drinking um and, and inducing an ulcer in himself and and won a, i think a nobel prize for that discovery as he rightly should but he was vilified and, and uh, outed by the scientific establishment for, for challenging. I mean, Galileo, you know, the, the humanocentric notion of the universe, the idea that we're the center of the galaxy, the center of the world, um, you know, he, he was persecuted for those views. Um, it, it interests me that, that science is just as conservative as every other part of society. And... Um, uh, part of the problem here is that perhaps the media uh, and opinion leaders have a allowed themselves perhaps too glibly to be led by people who dictate what we shall and shall not know or, or take an interest in. I didn't use the word belief then. Notice that. I think us as a as a believer, as a an person of interest in this subject, I think it's we're incredibly lucky that we have individuals like you who go out there and take the stance that you take and how thorough you are with what you do is that you really do leave no stone unturned and you're you're essentially this wealth of knowledge in this subject now and I know we are only just scraping the top of what what you can say because I, I can imagine there is just a million things inside your head that you know that you just can't share which is I guess the that that's the luck that you have of the position that you're in. And I think it's, I think we're on a, the verge of a very exciting time. And I think the, the future for people who believe in this subject or who are interested in this subject are going to be in for a real treat in the, in the next couple coming years and decades. Well, as I, as I finish my book, I, I, I think we're on the cusp of beginning an understanding of something quite extraordinary. Absolutely, And I, I, I really do. And I, I've been privileged to have conversations with very senior people in America in particular. And they're quite optimistic and progressive in their views, much, much more so than I think mainstream science realizes. And it's funny, I, I, I've noticed even the um, 
high priest of science magazines, Scientific American, has, has actually acknowledged in the last year, increasingly it's writing articles where it's engaging seriously with the phenomenon. It's acknowledging the reality of UAPs. And that's just the beginning. The paradigm is shifting, Ross, and it has been an absolute treat to have you on the show, mate. You are one of the most interesting people I've ever spoken to. And I think I could I could talk your ear off all day because this subject, it's a rabbit hole and you can go down it so many different ways. But before I let you shoot off, mate, where can people find your book and, of course, your documentary? Um, the documentary in Australia is available on the 7 app. You can go to the Channel 7's app and you'll find it under the Spotlight program. Uh, it's um, <laughs> Interestingly, it's, it's the most watched program of the year. People are really interested in this subject. And to my great amusement, it's been bootlegged all over the world. Um, <laughs> the book, which came out last week, is called In Plain Sight, an investigation into UFOs and impossible science. And it's essentially available in all good Australian bookshops. You can buy it online at a discount at Booktopia. Um, it will be available in the United States in not until October, I'm told, but it is available at the moment in digital form, both Audible and uh, Kindle. Um, in the UK, it is available, I think, from the end of next week, which is mid-August. Uh, and um, it's it's interesting because my, my publisher, HarperCollins, they were, I think, a little sceptical originally that the public wanted to read a book about UFOs, but to their great credit, they backed a book on UFOs. And um, I think they've now realised that there's a, a hot subject here because the book's gone to number one in non-fiction categories in Australia. People are really interested in this subject matter. It's gone to number one in UFO categories on Amazon, you know, one of the world's biggest bookshops. People want to know more about this subject. So I'm, I'm really gratified. And if people want to know more, they can go to my website that I've created for the book where I'm going to be updating with new information that I have and that I'm going to be slowly releasing, which is www.inplainsight-book.com. Or you can just go to my website, rosscoulthart.com. And we'll include links to, to everything there. So people, if you're listening to this, jump into the show notes and you'll be able to get straight to all those sources directly. Good to talk to you, Kate. It was a pleasure, mate, and uh, hopefully we get to talk again soon and you have some uh, some more bombshells to drop for us. I'm very happy to do so, mate. All the best. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe, Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 